Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I just feel like there's just something I, I can't get away from. And so I'm just going to speak what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. And so if you will be just mindful of that, if you'll just be mindful of that, we'll just pray and ask the Lord to help us. And um, I say this a lot of times. I hope it's true every time. But I'm going somewhere this morning. And so if you'll just take this journey with me then we'll, we'll make it together, and God can speak something specific, I think, into our heart that will be lasting. It will help us. Amen. The book of 1 Timothy 4 and 14, the Bible says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And today, with the help of the Lord, I want to I wanna speak on the gift and the call of God. The gift and the call of God. I believe that there is a gift and a call of God for each and every one of us. And so I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would just speak now, specifically in our life. And would you be a listener today? And would you be a receiver? And then I'm going to ask you one more thing by faith. When we leave here, will you be a doer of the Word of God? Amen. May the Lord bless you and you can be seated the fear of the Lord. As we consider these closing remarks of chapter 4, we see a very poignant and powerful application of the Apostle Paul. Today I want to talk about the gifts that God has placed within the heart of each and every one of us. I think that we're often guilty of, of just looking at others and we see how God uses so-and-so. And we see how God uses this person over here and then we come to the conclusion that A, we are either doing nothing for the kingdom of God or that we are incapable of doing something for the kingdom of God. We compare the giftedness of others against the backdrop of how we see ourselves. And if we're not careful, a companion that will soon join us is the spirit of discouragement. The Bible admonishes us very, very clearly 
not to compare ourselves among ourselves. The scripture even says to do so is not wise. I've used this analogy many, many times. If you've heard it, uh, please just bear with me. But I often think about the world of construction when I think about the world of ministry and how we should approach and how our mindset should at least be. Um, The man who is going to install the roof is not at all intimidated by the person that is going to put the flooring in. They have two completely different jobs. And each one of them works comfortably within their own strength. And I think if we could bring that mindset into the kingdom of God spiritually, we would all be better off to realize that you do what you do and I do what I do. And if we will bring all of our strengths to the table, then God can collectively use us to accomplish His will. And so the man who is laying the carpet or the person who's laying the carpet just so he can fit in doesn't run out and buy up a few roofing tools just so he can fit in with the roofers. That's not his job. He's not even worried about that. He probably doesn't even walk down that aisle in the, in the uh, supply store. That's not what he does. And so th- they realize that single by themselves, you can't just have a roof, you're going to need a floor. And you can't just have a floor, you're going to need a roof. And so we're going to work together. And when we work together, a home can be established or a business can be built. The book of Romans chapter 12 is a very familiar passage. And I'm going to ask you to join me there or at least follow along on the screens. Romans 12 and 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and, we, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members, one, and every one members of another, one of another, excuse me. Let me read verse 5 again. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Verse number 6, having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And so uh, Romans, in Romans, Paul is admonishing the church to understand the value of the body and the giftedness of the body. I realize for many, if not most, this is very familiar stomping ground But I think we have to recognize that God has given all of us gifts that differ. We do something a little bit different. We bring something to the table. And so with that, I want us to consider the gifts that God has given to all of us. A gift, I think a gift, if we could define that, would be a noticeable capacity or an identifiable talent, an ability God has given certain people gifts within every church. This church is not an exception. 
We have some very gifted singers or musicians. We have some gifted songwriters. We have some gifted teachers. We have some gifted administrators. And the list goes on and on and on. There are noticeable capacities. There are noticeable strengths. I think that is something that a gift can be voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation. It's just something that we give. It's something we bring to the table. Uh, an act or a right, the power of giving. One of the greatest tragedies that I think that could befall any church and or organization would be for the body to all be doing the same thing. If we were all the same voice, it would be a voice of confusion. It would be a voice um, that, would not, that would not have an end result that's positive. Yet, while this may be have overtones of, of unity, us all doing the same thing, that would have overtones of unity, it would seem at a glance, but we may not be doing what God called us or created us to do. And so we have to, therefore, avail ourselves to the Spirit, the presence of God, to discover the gift that God has placed in us. We have to come to the place where we acknowledge and embrace the fact that we don't all have the same function. To refuse to embrace this would be to stunt the growth and limit the many gifts that are given to the church. In Romans 12 and 2, Paul, Paul uses two different words, but it's a very, very important directive. He uses the words conformed, and then he uses the word transformed. Conformed has the meaning of being pressed into something that we would not ordinarily fit into just to be pressed, becoming something that we are not. But then Paul went on to talk about being transformed. That has the meaning of evolving into what we are supposed to be. Maybe this is not where I started out, but I am being transformed by the power and the presence of God and His Word. Paul further goes on to speak of things that help us to use the gift that God has placed within our reach. He speaks about the renewing of our mind, the renewing or the renovation or the complete change for better, the uplift, the upgrade, the facelift. It would be difficult to speak about, I think it would be difficult to speak about the gifts of God without referring to Proverbs 18 and 16. It's here that Solomon says, A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. I would assume that many, if not most of you, have read that passage of Scripture that a man's gift, a person's gift, maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. I want you to, if you will, just make a mental snapshot of that Scripture because we're going to come back here in just a few moments. When the Bible talks about gifts, when the, when the Scripture speaks about gifts, this is no small matter. When you think about gifts in the Scripture... Uh, for instance, Jacob's gift to Esau was no small thing. It, it wasn't just a token. It wasn't just a coin. But Jacob's gift to Esau was 200 she-goats, 20 rams, 30 camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bull, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foal. When we think about Naaman's gift, the gift that Naaman brought to Elisha in 2 Kings 5, he brought him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of garment. And so we're, when we're talking about gifts in the Scripture, these are not insignificant token offerings. These are very substantial 
They mean something. Our gift. And so our gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Great attention would be placed upon the gifts that would be given. And I'll come back to that. A man's gift maketh room for him. You see, gifted people tend to run in the circles of other gifted people. Wherever God uses you, generally that becomes a little bit, or at least somewhat, of your social network. And so we have several people here in our church that are a part of the school system, where they're, whether they are in administration or teachers or whatever it may be. And so as a consequence of that, generally speaking, uh, a lot of their social networks are people of like mind. They have uh, these things in common. Spiritual gifts bring people, uh, men or women that are used in, in uh, different capacities of ministry, generally are going to operate in the circle of other spiritual leaders. People with great minds are going to find a common bond with other people of great minds. Many times musicians and, and things of that nature form a close bond with other musicians because they all have something in common. And so our gifts make room for themselves and those gifts bring us before great men or other great people. And so our strengths bring us in company or bring us in close proximity to other people of like-minded gifts. Our gifts make room for us. A gifting from God will open doors for us like nothing else. And so when I speak about gifts this morning, I'm primarily speaking about things that perhaps come naturally. There are probably some natural bents within all of us today. That, that uh, There are some things that come very, very easy. And so I think it's fair to say that, that the things that we enjoy to do or we enjoy doing also bring a lot of fulfillment to our life, a lot of satisfaction, whatever that may be. Amen. So these gifts, these natural abilities, these things that help us find satisfaction ultimately can also serve as tools to help us find the will of God for our lives. Now, I think that when we're talking about the gift of God, the call of God, that we must be very careful that we don't just simply begin to mimic people that are around us. Amen. Brother Tenney said, uh, don't try to be somebody else. That's already taken. Amen. Just be yourself and allow God to use you. We must be careful that we don't just parrot uh, the antics or the things of somebody else. God can use all of us individually, as unique as we all are. God can use us in a fashion that will bless the kingdom. It will bring glory to his name. So it's incumbent upon us to allow the Lord to use us to his fullest ability. In order to do that, then I have got to learn how to appreciate my gifts and my weaknesses, my strengths, rather, and my weaknesses. And so for God, in order for God to use you to his fullest capacity, then we have got to be willing to admit the places of our lives where we're strong and areas where we're weak. And that we then bring people alongside of us. We talk about this in our leadership uh, meetings a lot of times. That whatever area you see as a leader that you're weak, then you need to draft somebody on your team that's strong in that area. Amen. Because we are we're going to be we're going to be complete and whole, and we'll all be better if we learn the value of that. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm just not good at that. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how this works. I, I, I'm no closer to understanding it today than I, than I was when we first got married. But I know how to make a bed. And uh, I was taught how to make a bed before I ever got married. 
But when I make a bid, I give it my very, very best. And when I get through, it looks like I made the bid. And my wife can walk past there in 45 seconds and it just be polished. And I just wonder how in the world. I've watched her do it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And I hope I'm not going to have to turn in my man card today just because some of you found out I learned how to make the bid. And we got a little quiet. I may have to turn it down. I don't know. <laughs> sure wasn't a lot of baritone laughter there. <laughs> I, feel a, I feel a meeting being called as we, uh, as we speak. But uh, So I won't talk about the other domestic things that I may be able to do around the house. <laughs> that's for sure. Now, there's just something about that gift, that, that ability to just walk in and just a few minutes just put that polishing touch on that. And so I want, I want to be able to realize that there's some things that that's just not my area of expertise. Amen. And so I will function in the area that I can. So in order for us to accomplish this task, then we have to have a clear understanding of one simple principle, and that is this. We all have different gifts. But if we can come together with our different gifts, the Bible says having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. I'm going to tell you that there are some things that God hasn't given us the grace to do. Amen. And this is not a part of my message, but I'm going to shoehorn it in here real quick. The last thing you want to do is try to do something God hasn't given you the grace to do. You may get all stirred up when we have a mission service and want to go to Cambodia. But you know what? If God hasn't given you the grace to do that, you're probably going to hit the rock somewhere along the road. And, and so I want, I, want a lot of, I want to make sure that God is using me in a, in a capacity that he has given me the grace to be able to do that. These gifts come to us through different means. Sometimes gifts are, 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 are imparted to us. I believe in spiritual impartation. It was quoted this morning, Romans 1 and 11. I long to see that I might impart. Amen. I believe in spiritual impartation. There are some gifts that I believe that God gave us at birth. They were just there in our heart. Natural strengths, natural talents or abilities or are a proclivity to certain things and that was cultivated maybe by our parents or on our own, whatever it may have been, and that became a, a, a fruitful in our lives. And then the scripture says in the latter portion of Romans 12, 2, that ye may be able to prove, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that we ought to be able to prove God's will for our lives. Amen, prove to prove something, to try something, to examine something, to scrutinize something, to see whether something is genuine or not. Amen. These gifts must be proven. And we, we, we've got to try that. You've got to try it to know when the last, uh, when the last nail is driven in the train trestle, someone has to drive that train across that trestle. It has to be tested and scrutinized and proven that it will indeed hold. Additionally, our gifts need to be identified. From our text, Paul warns Timothy about something very, very important concerning his gift. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 and 14, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Neglect not the gift that is in you, 
Paul was saying, Timothy, the kingdom of God is in you. Don't neglect that gift. Don't just sit down on that gift. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, I just can't do it. He said, stir up that. Don't neglect that. Amen. It was given to you. James 1 and 17, the Bible says, every good Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so all gifts come from God, but hear me today, they must be developed with God. Amen. They come from God. They come down from above. But we can't just, we just can't take that and start running. We've got to let God help us develop these gifts. If not, if we try to develop this outside of the perimeter of a relationship with God, I'll promise you that your gift will become corrupt. Amen. It will become tainted. It will become tarnished. And so I need to let God cultivate that gift. I need to let that be a partnership with the Lord and I. It's so important that we stay in the master's hand. If not, we are prone. I'm going to tell you human nature. We are prone to rely on the arm of flesh. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if we ever have, if, if, if there is ever ever been a day, and I know this is a broad statement, but if there's ever been a day that we need to divorce ourselves from trying to rely on the arm of flesh, it is the day that we're living in now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not just do this because we figured out we've got the strength to do it. But let's say, Lord, we're here one more time. It doesn't matter how many decades we've been coming into this house. It matters not how many times we have sang this song or how many times I have stepped to a pulpit to preach. I don't know. In all of these years, 33 years of preaching, I have no idea how many thousands of times I have stepped to a pulpit. But I'm gonna tell you, and I hope you take this as a testimony and not a boast but I hope not one single time that I haven't said God I need you to stand with me today I don't want to figure this out on my own I don't want to do this within my own power I can't do this without you I can move my lips I can quote a few scriptures connect a few dots but I'm talking about eternal consequences we need God to help us we need God to help us as a pastor, it only stands to reason that I would desire that I would desire to have talent and ability to assist us in what we're trying to accomplish here this morning. To be very frank with you this, t- today, I'm thankful that every song we sang was on key. To be very honest with you, I'm thankful that we were clapping on time. I'm, I'm glad nobody just got up and started singing. Some of you will not get this, but some of you will. I'm glad somebody didn't just get up and start singing and bless their heart. Whoever's sitting behind that piano is just trying to find them. Amen. I've sat through way too many of those. Way too many of those. Amen. I'm glad that I didn't just get up here and start preaching and you're just out there trying to find me. Amen. I've sat through a few of those myself. (laughs) Amen. I say, Lord, we need some talent and we need some ability. We need that. Amen. But I'm going to tell you this morning, I I don't want that at the price of leaving God out of it. Amen. I say, God, give us some anointed brains. God, give us some anointed ability. 
Amen. Not carnal minds, not carnal ability, not carnal talent. But I say whatever it is that we have, amen, we need to go behind that mountain. We need to crawl between the porch and the altar. Hear me, to every gifted leader in this house, to everyone in this building, I say, God, help me go between the porch and the altar and die out to me. Let me crucify me. Let me crucify my mind, my will, my ego, my drive, my passions, and say, God, I need you. I need you. I'm going to tell you today that while learned talents or while learned skills and learned abilities can be tools, they can also be a distraction. Amen. That's why we need to know when to use our gifts and when that we all together need to yield to the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. There are times, you know what we need to do? We just need to move us out of the way and say, come Lord Jesus into this midst and have your will and your way. I think we need to find a balance between the two and allow them to work in conjunction and in harmony with one another. Also, we need to ask ourselves if our gifts are bringing us closer to God or hindering our walk with God. The Bible says in in Psalm 37 and 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. It begins, ladies and gentlemen, with desire. Desire. Amen. Desire. Amen. All desires are not gifts. Sometimes we may be just trying to live up to the expectations of someone else. Being used of the Lord may seem like an impossible thing for you. And in some cases, you may not have what it takes at the very beginning. That's why we must not be afraid to test the water in this process. Then I ask you this. We must be committed to being honest with ourselves. Why? Because some things that we try may prove to not be the will of God for us. And so right there we need to say, God, don't let my pride and don't let my ego... Amen. Don't let my own sense of self-worth get in the way in between what you were trying to give birth to in my life. I'm just going to confess to you today. I've stood at these intersections in my life and I turned left when I should have turned right or turned right when I should have turned left. Now I could have just kept going. I could have just let my pride keep going the wrong way and destroy my our ministry and destroy my family. Amen. Maybe even interfere with our marriage or anybody in the house hearing me or I can say, wait, a minute. I tried this. This didn't work. I need to turn around and go back to center. Amen. That ought to be the beauty of the kingdom of God that we give in the church, the local church that we give the people latitude to grow and try it. Amen. Some people tried to sing. Figured out they couldn't sing. Amen. I'm thankful they didn't quit church over that. Some people have tried to preach and figured out they couldn't preach. Some people have thought, I think I'd like to work in the Sunday school department and get out there. And the next news you know, you find out that's not what's good for you. But I'm glad you didn't just pack up your bags and leave. Let's just try something else until we realize where God can and will use us. Don't let pride set you up for failure. If you tried something and found out that it wasn't the will of God, amen, then just move on and keep trying until you discover. Hallelujah. Is that all right? We need to pray. 
pray and seek the face of God and the will of God and pray for doors to open in our lives. Amen. Prayer. Prayer helps us filter out some of the noise. Prayer helps us hear the voice of God and find that direction of God. Prayer can also open up channels and doors of opportunity. And so if what we feel is from God, amen, in time we will begin to receive some initial steps. God is never going to call us to do something grand. Please hear me. Amen. Stop playing. Stop whatever you're doing and listen to me right now. Amen. Whatever you're doing, hear me today. God will never call us to do something grand if we have not proven ourselves to be faithful over the small things. Amen. God is not going to call you to go do some work in a city somewhere if you haven't been faithful to your own local church. God is not going to call you to do some great mission around the world if you can't even find this place. Amen. Whenever the doors are open for worship. God is not going to call you to do something great if we have not found ourselves to be faithful here. How are you going to lead somebody in worship if you sit through church with your arms folded? How are you going to lead somebody in prayer if you refuse to pray? Are you hearing me today? God is not going to call us for some big stage until we have proven ourselves on the small stage. Praise God. But I'll tell you what happens. Small steps start leading to larger steps. All the while, we need to be preparing ourselves to step through open doors. You know, I hope, I hope everybody that heard this, either live or you know, the other night when we shared it on video, Sister Mangan was talking about this. No matter how small the door of opportunity is, we don't need to be let our ego and our pride interfere. It may seem like a minuscule thing, but you know what? If, you, if you'll give God your best during that, I, I, want, I want to know if you caught that when Sister Mangan said that she'd been asked to speak at some city function and they gave her three minutes. How easy it would be to say, well, I'm Vesta Mangan. Three minutes? Do you know who I am? Again, one of those, those lost people. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? No, no, no. She stood before that audience. I already got it in here what I'm going to say. I got three minutes. I'm going to lay it on the line. It's going to be the hottest three minutes this side of eternity. Amen. I'm trying to tell you today that when doors of opportunity open themselves, it may not be the microphone to general conference. It may just be three minutes or five minutes in a nursing home. But you know what? I think it was Brother Everett Bird that reminded us several years ago that Brother Kinsey was preaching in a nursing home. Am I right? And the Lord told him, he said to that little small crowd, he said, if you'll preach, if you'll preach like there's 3,000 people here, then I'll give you the opportunity to preach to 3,000. Amen. I'm going to tell you this morning the gift and the call of God. If you know Brother Kinsey, you know that that was more than just a void promise from God. He's preached all over the world to tens of thousands. I'm going to tell you today, I want the Lord to say, if you open the door, I'm going to step through this door and I'm going to give everything I have to that. Amen. Praise God. Now, don't expect everybody to have the same desires that you have. Amen. Because everybody's not. Now, just a footnote here. Maybe go without saying, but I want to just make sure that we say it. I think all of these gifts and all of these desires and all of our prayers, that needs to be filtered through your pastor and your shepherd. Amen. And you know what? Don't be afraid to do that because if it's of God, we'll be on the same page. We'll be on the same page. 
Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The Bible says present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sometimes we're willing to offer our mind, our emotions, to dream about something, but at the end, here's the real deal. You've got to get involved. You've got to rise up and get it done. Involved, participate. You've got to pay the price. And you know what? It will cost you something. It will cost you time. It will cost you talent. It will cost you energy. It will cost you dollars. Amen. It will cost you. You may not be able to do it, uh, all of it. You may not be able to complete it all. But you know what? You can start now. You can start somewhere now and say, Lord, I pray that just use these hands, take these hands, and help me to develop and to cultivate that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 and 15, meditate upon these things. An interesting word. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. The New King James Version of this scripture says this. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Another word that describes the word meditate is the word practice. Rehearse. Amen. <laughs> Any gift has to be developed and practiced. I want to tell you the night that I asked my wife to marry me, I rehearsed that many, many times over my mind. I went over that again, again, again. I see a lot of you guys shaking your head. I'm going to fool around here and get my man card back for it's all over with. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Amen. Just rehearse that over and over and over and over. I want to get this right. I want. I want. I anticipated the outcome. What I didn't anticipate that when we pulled up in front of her grandmother's yard that night, and I was just going to pop the question out. What I didn't anticipate was her her grandmother out there flicking the porch light off and on and on. That, that can hinder the mood. Just let me tell you that can that can kind of break up the atmosphere just a little bit. But we apparently we worked through it. <laughs> Apparently, we worked through it. Amen. So a gift has to be developed. It has to be practiced. And so what it appears at first is not what it is going to be in the end. It may start out rough. But as we work on our gifts, we will see something more clearly coming into fruition. And so to our Bible quiz teams, I know uh, last Sunday some of them uh, just got in front of this audience. And I'm going to tell you, you can be a tough crowd sometimes. I got over three decades of experience and sometimes I got to stare back. <laughs> I have to stare back and so and but let me just tell our Bible quiz or something then and, and many of you have heard me say this, but the first time I ever got before the church, I fainted. I didn't get weak in the knees. I didn't just have a little lightheaded moment. I went out, completely cold, out, out. But you know what? I'm thankful that I didn't just keep laying there. I'm thankful that I got up. Amen. And so you just heat up, keep trying, keep pressing on. Amen. The Bible says meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting, you hear me, may appear to all. Or in other words, that your progress may be evident to all. And so sometimes we've seen some of our ministers here in the church as they begin to start and, and they're a little nervous and their voice is cracking. But you know, that's all right. Don't worry about that. We're not worried about that first Wednesday night service. We're not worried about the second, the third, the fourth, the twelfth, the twentieth. Because you know what? Every time, every time, 
come honing. And you know what? We see that. We see the evidence. We see that anointing become on their lives. And then we watch them as they learn how to respond to that anointing. Is this all right? Amen. That your profiting may be evident to all. Amen. Some of our musicians, I, I noticed, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, I think it was Wednesday night or maybe last weekend. Amen. I saw somebody on the, on, on playing the piano, Braxton, playing the piano. And I was just sitting in my chair and I was listening. I thought, I remember when he first started playing. And now I was just listening to the beauty of that. And amen, I was thinking, well, I, I know he plays the keyboard, but I'm talking about the piano. And, and so I was just listening to that. And I was thankful that, that we didn't all just get up and walk out the first time he got the key wrong. Amen. His profiting has become evident to all. And so we devote ourselves to this gift and this call. We devote ourselves to that, to that call and others then begin to recognize that. You begin to see something in that. People are watching. Hear me today. They're watching and they're looking for somebody to look up to. And so I'm reaching to our youth. I'm reaching to our young marriage. I'm reaching to our elders. People are looking for somebody to look up to. Amen. I got to say, Lord, here I am. Use me in any way that you you possibly can use me. Amen. It doesn't end here. It doesn't just stop because others have recognized a gift that we have been cultivating. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 4, 16, take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so, in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear me. Another translation of this verse says this, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Don't run off the road because people are following you. People are following you. I know we live today in a world of communication and so it's, it's, some of the confusion has been reduced. But I remember days before cell phones when we were all caravanning somewhere and, and whoever was leading took the wrong road. You're just riding down the road and all of a sudden you see somebody you're following is going the other way. So So everybody's trying to get over in the left lane, trying to do a U-turn. And so, amen, you better, <laughs> you better be careful. You better be careful. You guys born in this technology world of technology, you have no idea how much easier your life, your life is. Amen, persist in this. He said, by doing so, persist in this. By doing so, you'll save yourself and your hearers. Don't disqualify yourself. This is what I'm saying. Young people, are you hearing me? Don't disqualify yourself by unhealthy habits spiritually. Amen. Don't, don't, don't get with the wrong company. They'll circumvent these gifts that are in your life today. Amen. Don't, don't associate yourself with sin. It'll, it'll snuff out the flame that we see today. Amen. Divorce yourself from laziness. Why? It'll snuff out the flame that God is wanting to do. If you ever see somebody greatly used of God, hear me today. They weren't just laying in a lounge chair somewhere on the back 40 and God dumped it all out on them. You gotta work. You gotta cultivate. You gotta try. You gotta push. You gotta press. You gotta exercise yourself to righteousness. Praise God. Praise God. I'm almost done. Please, just a few more minutes. Amen. Because we are teaching something every hour of every day so we must be mindful. People are watching. They're watching and they're listening. Because of this, we've got to take heed to the doctrine. The scripture says then, continue in them. In other words, do these things and then do them and then do them again and then do them again and then do them again. I'm thankful today that the same message that I heard preached from behind this desk when I was a child is still being preached from behind this desk.
That doesn't happen without accident. That doesn't happen because there's no pressure. That doesn't happen because I live in a bubble somewhere or other preachers live in a bubble somewhere. That's got you, that happens because you, you continue and you continue and you continue and you continue. Persevere. No one becomes a success overnight. We want to ask our musicians to come. And as they come, I want you to please stay connected with me because I have been talking all this time to get to here. I want to mention a few things that can hinder or even extinguish your gift. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 3, For I say, though the, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, to, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Can I tell you today that nothing can stop the gift of God in our lives any quicker than the spirit of pride. God hates pride. People get puffed up thinking they're better than others because of their gifts, their skills. But Paul said that we ought to think soberly or to think with a clear mind. Think with the spirit of meekness. Amen. Second Corinthians 10 and 12, the Bible says, For we dare not, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they are measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. They that do that are not wise. The latter portion of this of Romans 12 and 3 says, According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, or in other words, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, it will take faith to do whatever God calls you to do. And then we must believe God, believe in God, and believe in ourselves. And there is a reason that I mention this. You're going to face many things along the way that are nothing less than precision instruments brought specifically your way to discourage you. I'm going to tell you something. I know what I'm talking about today. There's not a Sunday school teacher, there's not a person in this room that's ever taught Sunday school that had never day you were discouraged. Or a leader of any sort that didn't, didn't get discouraged. Because here are some things that you will face, and this is not an exhaustive list, but here are some things that you will invariably face. You will face criticism. People with gifts will be criticized. The tallest trees catch the most wind. You will be criticized. You will face your own fear of failure. And please don't let me dislodge you with this next statement, but you will fail. Yes, you will. But it's in those failures and getting back up that we learn how to stand and keep on standing. I've tried things that didn't work. We've tried things as a church that didn't work. We didn't just bolt the doors together. We just rehash it, rework it, 
Failure is a part of the process. And so if you're afraid to fail, you will never get anywhere. The fear of rejection, you will be rejected. Jesus was rejected. Who are we to think we won't be rejected? And so if you're living for people's approval, you're just setting yourself up to get your world pulled out from under you. Because at some point, life is like a seesaw. When you got this group happy, this group's sad. When you got this group happy, this group's sad. And so you get caught in that, then that's a miserable, miserable ride. Finally, I will tell you that you will face loneliness on this journey. Some people just simply will not go with you. I said earlier that I want to come back to something, and, and that is Proverbs 18 and 6. The Bible says, A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. I, I know how we've used this through the years, and I'm not trying to abolish that, but I just want to give you some food for thought. <clears throat> it is and forever has been in Asiatic countries to bring a gift or a present to great men in whom presence you long to come. So this is a culture thing. You want to go to see the king? You don't just walk in there empty-handed, but you bring great gifts. That's why I talked about the gifts of, uh, of Naaman, and that's why Naaman felt as though he's coming in the presence of a great man, so he brought gifts with him, gifts with him. And all throughout Scripture, my sake, all throughout Scripture, we find people bringing great gifts when they're coming. Great gifts. Because without these gifts, there is no audience. There is no favor. And there is no justice. And so when the Bible speaks about gifts, as as I've underlined, this is no small matter. Great attention and detail was paid to the gifts that would be given. And so I talked about Jacob's gift and Naaman's gift and and on and on. They're gifts of biblical proportion. And so I close with this seed I want to place in your heart. That sometimes we, we, we quote this scripture that a man's gift maketh room for him as though all we got to do is go sit down in a chair somewhere and all of a sudden doors of opportunity are just going to flood because our gifts are going to make room. But can I, can I change this up in your way of thinking? Can I just challenge us with something today? I wish I could. I don't want to touch any of these decorations. If I had a gift, I want to realize that I want to, this gift, this gift, I'm going to use this gift to make room for myself. I'm not coming in alone. And this gift will allow me to have the company and be in the presence of great men. But it's incumbent upon me to bring something that's worthy to be called a gift. A great gift. You with me now? And so when we're talking about our gifts and our calling today, I want to know that what I'm bringing to the table is worthy of an audience with a king. That I'm not just warming up something, oh hash, and I'm just going to offer this and hope this is good enough. But friend, when Naaman was getting ready to go see Elisha, he was making sure we're taking the best of the best of the best of the best. 
And so I say to us today that our gift will make room for itself. Yes, it will. That gift, I want to make sure that gift is the best that I have. Amen. I want to make sure that gift is all I have to offer. It is everything. I have considered this. I have thought this through. I have brought this gift. And you know what? This gift has now brought me before great men. That makes sense? There's nothing about the kingdom of God that's just going to fall in our lap. Amen. I want to make sure Naaman prepared a gift. Then he went to Elijah. Jacob prepared his gift. Then he went and found his brother Esau. We need to make sure that our gifts are worthy of an audience with the king, are worthy of an audience with the king's children. I don't want to just bring something and say, well, here, you eat this. Here, you do this. I want to make sure my gift is something worthy that would bring me in the presence of the Lord. Let's stand. Can we do that together today? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I guess here's where I'm going. What we offer must literally be something, if I can use this language today, we're bringing something to the table. I'm bringing something to this. I'm going to contribute something to this. I don't want my addition to that to be dumbing down the whole situation. I want to bring something to the table. Today, you've got a gift. You've got something to bring to the table. You've got something to add to the kingdom of God. But can I tell you, you've got something to add to this local church. Amen. You've got something to add. And so when you feel that calling upon your life, understand the difference between the calling of God and the timing of God. But oh, let's walk together and let God cultivate that. Amen. Can we pray and ask the Lord to touch us today? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I praise your name, I praise your name. God, I've just delivered my heart today. I've delivered my heart today. And I'm asking you, Lord, now to let this word find a place find a place in the heart of men and women that are in this house. God, would you let your presence, would you let your power, would you let your spirit God, let it just find a resting place. Let it find a resting place in our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.